For many in our church family, this has been very difficult last couple of weeks or last month or so. And in all honesty, even this past year has been challenging for many with uh, sickness and uh, disease and death and things that um, can lead to discouragement and depression and even despondency. Uh, those sorts of things seem to have bounded uh, to have abounded in this past year and, and many even in the last couple of weeks or months or so. And I feel like literally I, I move from one suffering family to the next uh, has kind of been the way it's been um, as I've been seeking to shepherd uh, this flock. And then there's the whole matter of uncertainty and waiting, uh, waiting for medical tests to come back, waiting to see what the treatment will be. Uh, waiting to see what life's going to be will be like without a loved one. And this past week, as I was driving from um, the funeral to the graveside of a family member of one of our members here, uh, I was struggling with uh, sadness and sorrow, watching the pain and the hurt uh, that this family was experiencing, thinking about the sorrow that so many have been going through and all. And I'll just be honest with you, I was just um, just sad and um Sorrowful, And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was thankful I was not preaching that funeral. I was just attending, uh, just there to show my support and love. Um, but in that moment, God the Holy Spirit brought a verse to my mind, actually a part of a verse, that was such a blessing. And I decided that if it was a blessing to me, it might be a blessing to you. And so I want us to set aside our series on Jacob this morning. And really, we've only got like one more time. We're going to go to Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we'll return to it in 2017, God willing. Uh, But perhaps this verse that God brought to my heart and my mind will encourage you and cheer your disposition and help you uh, to deal with the sorrow and the sadness and the sickness and the uncertainty that all of us face from time to time. Uh, We live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. Uh, All of us face these things at times in our life. And so I want to look at a verse this morning uh, that the Lord brought to my mind. And it's found in a book that we probably don't spend much time in. uh, But it's a book that the Lord Jesus loved and knew quite well. Uh, When you go to the New Testament and uh, Satan is tempting the Lord Jesus, he answered Satan each time by quoting from this particular Old Testament book. In fact, the New Testament actually quotes or alludes to this Old Testament book uh, nearly 200 times. And I'm talking about the book. Of Deuteronomy. And so if you'd open your Bibles this morning, Deuteronomy. So we're back near the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And if you find your place there in the 33rd chapter. So we're right at the very end. The next to the last chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 33. And just to let you know what's going on at this point in the book of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Moses is giving his blessing upon Israel. In fact, we get to the very uh, next chapter. Moses is going to die. And um, I think this was a real blessing to Israel as Moses blesses them. And the verse that uh, the Lord brought to my mind, a part of the verse um, that blessed me so is found uh, near the end of chapter 33. And the phrase that God brought to my mind is this one. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. That's referring to the arms of God. And I began to think about the arms of God. And as I thought about it, it blessed me and encouraged me. So so I want to look at a block of scripture here where this verse is found. Then we're going to come back and we're going to look at that particular idea 
of the arms of God. Underneath are the everlasting arms. So first we're going to read Deuteronomy 33, verses 26 through 29. Deuteronomy 33, 26 through 29. The Bible says there is no one like the God of Jeshurun. That's another name for Israel. No one like the God of Israel. Who rides the heavens to help you. I like that phrase too. Who rides the heavens to help you. And in his excellency on the clouds. Now here's the verse that we're thinking about today. Verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you. And will say destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. The fountain of Jacob alone in a land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? The shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. What a blessing it must have been for the children of Israel to hear these words from Moses. Um, They're getting ready to lose his membership. He's getting ready to die the very next chapter. They're getting ready to be led by Joshua into the promised land to begin conquering. We can only imagine what their emotions were like, what their feelings were like, that Moses was not going to be their leader anymore, that Joshua is going to be leading them. Moses is soon dying. And this man who's about to die says to them these words, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, this whole idea of the everlasting arms of God is not a new concept. In fact, if you grew up in church, you probably sang about it from time to time. We still sing about it here. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. What? Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. A lot of you probably know it by heart. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. And you know the chorus, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. We've sung it many times, but the question is, have we gotten it? Do we grasp it? Do we believe it? Well, let's talk about the everlasting arms of God. And I want to say to you first that the arms of God, they speak of strength. The arms of God speak of strength. And so as we think about the everlasting arms of God and speaking of strength here in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, these uh, this idea of the arms of God often talks about uh, him delivering Israel out of bondage uh, from Egypt. And so a lot of the times when it mentions the arms of God, they're looking back to when God delivered them from Egypt. In fact, let me go ahead and show you some of those. They're on the screen. Deuteronomy 434. Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Uh, Deuteronomy 515. 
And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord God, your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Uh, Deuteronomy 719, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arms by which the Lord, your God brought you out. So shall the Lord, your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. And then Deuteronomy 26, 8. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. You see over and over and over again, an outstretched, my uh, mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And even the verse we're studying today talks about the idea of him delivering. The eternal God is your refuge underneath of the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Now, it says here that his arm is everlasting. Not only does he exist in eternity, his power and his strength are everlasting. We could take the most powerful man in here. I won't ask who that is. Don't look around. But the man with the biggest biceps and triceps and quads and all that other stuff that I don't have. And we could bring them up on the stage and we could ask them if they would very simply do something. If they would simply hold for us a 20 pound weight. Would you take this 20 pound kettle bell and would you just hold it? You can use your right arm. You can use your left arm. Your choice. Switch back and forth or whatever. We could bring a man up here and we would hand him the 20 pound weight. And first of all, no problem. He's there holding it. And so he's standing there for a while. And maybe that arm gets tired. He switches to the other arm and he's there holding it. And back and forth he goes. But you let a little bit of time go by. Let's say an hour goes by. Let's say two hours go by. Eventually, that strong man who had no problem at the beginning will probably be holding the 20 pound weight with both hands, perhaps sweating and turning red. How long could he hold the 20 pounds? Four hours? Five hours? What about 10 hours? What about 12 hours? What about 24 hours? So who could hold it that long? No matter how strong that strong man is, that 20 pound weight would soon become too much for him to bear. But you know, beloved, though we are weak, and we're weary and uh, we don't have everlasting strength and we wear out our God. He is everlastingly strong. His power and his strength are, in, are unending. No one can conquer him. No one can overpower him. Our God is the almighty, all powerful God. And if he's a Christian, if you're a Christian today, he's your father. You ever heard kids talk about how strong their dads are? <clears throat> Maybe they're out in the playground and they say, well, my dad's stronger than your dad. No, my dad's stronger than your dad. No, my dad's stronger than your dad. Well, I'll just tell you for a moment. i just tell you about my heavenly father and how strong he is. Forever strength. Unending strength. Eternal power. Beloved, this is good news. Why? Well, because we're weak. I'll just go ahead and admit to you right now, I'm weak. Are you? I, I can't fight the battles that I face in my life. I can't figure out the messes that I find myself in. 
I can't change many of the circumstances that I find myself in. I can't handle the pressures that come upon me. I'm weak, but he is strong. We learned that as a child, didn't we? If you grew up in church, I am weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, beloved. In this weakness, we can run to him. Why? Because this verse tells us that he is our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's our abiding place. He is. And it says that he is strong. Like a child running to hide behind his strong daddy, we can run to our heavenly father. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Though it sounds odd, though it sounds strange, though no one would really want to admit it at times, it's good to be weak. You say, wait a minute, preacher. No man would say it's good to be weak. Would a lady say it's good to be weak? No one wants to admit that, but it's good to be weak. How in the world is it good to be weak? Well, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Paul writing <clears throat> under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses. So, well, Paul, are you just strange? Are you just weird? You take pleasure in those things? Why? He says, well, I do it for Christ's sake. But here's why I take pleasure. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's called, is that called an oxymoron? Is that right? Is that like a jumbo shrimp? That just shouldn't be. Doesn't make sense. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. How is it, Paul? That when you're weak, you're strong. Well, it's because my strength comes from Christ. When I depend on him, I have his strength. William Wilberforce, you may remember that name from history. He's the man who led the fight to abolish slavery in the British Empire. I'm told he was physically weak and frail, but he had a deep faith in God. In fact, Boswell, here's how Boswell described him. He said, and I quote, I saw what seemed to me. A shrimp become a whale, end quote. Why? Because he had God's strength. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. God's everlasting arms are strong. They speak of his strength. And so you can go ahead and freely admit it today. It's okay. You can go ahead and say, I'm weak. I cannot handle these things. I cannot figure these things out. I cannot change these things. I cannot bear these things. I'm weak, but... As a believer, when I'm weak, then I can be strong. Because I depend upon the everlasting arms of God. But you know, the arms of God not only speak of strength. There's another element to this. The arms of God also speak of security. Security. You know, I hope that we're not only weak, but did you realize that we're also very vulnerable we're very vulnerable. We're vulnerable to temptation, to disease, to accidents, and even death. Life is so fragile. We can leave church this morning and head out those double doors and head down the stairs and fall down and break our neck. That's encouraging, isn't it? But that's reality. 
Think of God's protection over you. Did you notice it says in this passage in Deuteronomy 33, 27, that underneath, underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, we know God is above us. And praise God, God is with us. But this says underneath are the everlasting arms. What a word picture. In my mind, when I think about that, I see a a playground and a set of monkey bars. And in fact, uh, we were there yesterday. I'd already written the sermon and we were there at the park yesterday. And I see a toddler up on the monkey bars. And under the toddler on the monkey bars, who's standing there? I see a dad with his arms outstretched, ready to catch. Or even a mom there, ready. Or a grandpa or grand, grandma there, ready to catch. Why? Because underneath are strong arms. Underneath are protecting arms. Underneath are arms of love and security. And underneath are arms that are there to catch that toddler should he fall. And if your toddler is like our toddler, you better stay underneath the monkey bar. (laughs) Isn't that a picture of God's love for us and God's compassion for us that he shows? The tenderness of a father standing under a child on the monkey bars ready to catch him. The tenderness, the compassion, the love, the security. I think of Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. Watch this. He will gather the lambs with his arms, the lambs, and carry them where? In his bosom. And do what? Gently lead those who are with young. You probably know this next verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Now watch the last part. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God protects us day in and day out. Hour by hour, moment by moment from physical harm and physical things that could come into our life. But not just the physical. Charles Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. And I think he must have loved this passage. When I checked this past week, he has four sermons on this verse that we're talking about today. Four separate sermons. Let me share with you some of what he said. He talks about God, everlasting arms. He said, God, the eternal God is himself our support at all times. Especially when we are sinking in deep trouble. There are seasons when the Christian sinks in very low humiliation under a deep sense of his great sinfulness. He's humbled before God till he scarcely knows how to pray. You ever been there? You've failed. You've sinned. You've messed up. And a lot of times we find ourselves like that. We don't feel like praying. We say, well, we shouldn't pray. I've messed up. Beloved, when you feel least like praying and you can't pray, that's the time you should pray the most. Spurgeon says. In our own sight, we feel so worthless. But child of God, remember that when thou art at thy worst and lowest yet underneath. Are the everlasting arms. When you're at the lowest point in your life underneath. 
are the everlasting arms. Sin may drag thee ever so low, but Christ's great atonement is still under all. You may have descended into the deeps, but you cannot have fallen so low as to the uttermost. And to the uttermost, the Bible says, he saves. So we find ourselves in sin underneath are the everlasting arms. When there are trials from without, he says, underneath are the everlasting arms. When there are troubles from within, underneath are the everlasting arms. I love what he said about this. The assurance of support is a comfort to any weary but earnest worker in the service of God. You ever get tired of your ministry? Maybe not tired of the ministry, but tired in the ministry. You've got to teach those kids again this coming Sunday. I've got to go to choir practice again tonight. I've got to go to another deacon's meeting. I've got to go to this. I've got to go to that. Now listen. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. Spurgeon says, for the weary worker in the service of God, it's a promise of strength for each day, grace for each need, and power for each duty. Fall in those everlasting arms. And then he mentions death. When death comes, the promise shall still hold good. When we stand in the midst of Jordan on death's doorstep, we shall be able to say with David, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. We shall descend into the grave, but we shall go no lower for the everlasting arms prevent our further fall. I love that. No lower than the grave. All through life and at its close, we shall be upheld by the everlasting arms. Arms that neither flag nor lose their strength for the everlasting God faint. If not, neither is weary. His everlasting arms are underneath us. when We fall into sin when we're afflicted from without. We have trouble from within when we're weary in service. And even when death comes, his loving arms are there to hold us. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And he's waiting. But some may be struggling at this moment. And you want to ask me and you want to stop me right now and you want to ask a question that's pressing upon your heart. And in your mind, you're wrestling with this because you're beginning to think, well, wait a minute, preacher. I don't know about all this you're talking about. You know why? Because a question like this arises in your heart. Where was God's loving arms when... And that blank is filled in by some heartache, some hardship, some loss, some sickness, some sorrow. And in your most honest moment, you want to say, where were God's loving arms when this happened? Well, dear child of God, he was there. Holding you in his everlasting arms. You say, well, yeah, but why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow this to come in my life? I like what the great man of faith, George Mueller, said. A man who lived by faith. He said, sometimes it appears as if, as if we had been injured physically and mentally and spiritually, but it's often only in appearance and nothing but in appearance. It seems that way now. 
But his everlasting arms are still there to shield us and watch over us. When those questions arise, beloved, can we not trust the wisdom of our loving Heavenly Father? Can we not trust the love of our loving Heavenly Father? Can we not say with honesty and sincerely, my loving Heavenly Father truly knows what is best. I do not understand it. I would not choose it. I did not want it. But I trust my father. You know, sometimes a father will allow a child to suffer a little pain, not to ultimately hurt the child, but to help them. You say, well, preacher, what do you mean by that? Well, I told you before that my dad died when I was five. And and I really only have um, three or four memories of interacting with him. In fact, I actually sat down and I just kind of quickly scrawled out, scrolled notes. What, what do I remember? I only came up with about four things that I remember. But one of the memories that I have involved a drill and an electrical outlet. You know where this story's going. I'm pretty sure I've been warned, but I wouldn't listen. Can you imagine that? And I remember my dad, now I had to be before the age of five. I remember my dad let let me experience the shock. And I've never forgotten it. It's a lesson that stayed with me for 35 years. I've never forgot the feeling of the shock. Now, he was my father. He loved me. He would die for me if need be. But he let me experience a second of pain. Why? For a lifetime of protection. A second of pain for a lifetime of protection. Now, he was there. He was watching. He was there to catch me if anything went wrong. He was there to to preserve my life. But a moment of pain allowed by my loving Heavenly Father that benefits me for the rest of my life. Now, he's not here anymore. My stepfather's not here anymore. None of my grandfathers are here anymore. But I have a father who's everlasting. And his arms are under me. And he watches me with a loving eye. Like a toddler on monkey bars. He's there to catch me. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I understand a lady was facing a very difficult time in her life, trials and troubling circumstances. And she came to uh, W.B. Henson at the close of a sermon. And here's what she said. She said, I'm very much afraid that I might fall. And Pastor Henson said, well, why? Well, why don't you do it? Well, why don't you do it? But preacher, she protested, where would I fall to? And here's what he said. You will fall down into the everlasting arms of God. Then he said, I've read in the Bible that his everlasting arms are underneath his children. And, you know, I believe that if you fall down upon those everlasting arms, it is sure and certain that you will never fall through them. See, that's where the analogy breaks down. I'm weak. Sometimes I try to catch, but I miss. 
Don't shake your head yes, Katie. But I miss. But my loving Heavenly Father perfectly watches over me and perfectly cares for me. And I wonder today if maybe you need to come and fall into his loving, everlasting arms. I want to close, Danielle, if you would move to piano. I want to close with a song that we used to sing growing up at the church where I grew up. This is a song we would do for special music. The song has been near and dear to my heart. And I apologize. My silences seem to be acting up, but I'll do my best to sing this song. But listen to the words as I sing, as we think about the everlasting arms of God. And think about maybe today if you need to come and fall into them. And I invite you in a moment to do just that, to come and fall into his everlasting arms. Let's try this.
arms of God. Father, we thank you for that promise that underneath are the everlasting arms. Father, I believe there are folks here today that need to come and fall in your arms and say, Father, I'm weak and I'm vulnerable. I need your help. I need you to hold me close to you. And I need to experience your strength and your security. Maybe it's for them personally. Maybe for a loved one. Maybe for a family member. But just to come today and fall in your arms. And while your head is still bowed and your eyes are still closed as you place today, the altar is open. If you want to come today, just fall in the arms of the Lord Jesus. Fall in the arms of your loving Father. Would you come and do that today? Just come now. Give those burdens to Him. Give those troubles to Him. Give those trials to Him. The altar is open. You come now. Come and fall in His loving arms. Would you come today?